Don't you wanna die happy With a smile on your face Wake up a laughing <laughs> Cause you're free of all the things That would hold you From your ocean view Life's a landscape What's the difference between an osteopath, a chiropractor, <laughs> and a physiotherapist? Um, so when, when it comes to physiotherapy, everything we do has to be backed by some sort of medical literature kind of thing. We're not really allowed to practice anything that's kind of, you know, maybe may not work, you know, anecdotal sort of stuff. So on the whole, we, we have to recommend and provide treatment practices with lots of backed scientific literature. Um, and also physiotherapy is more about teaching people long-term how to maintain their body instead of getting people reliant on quick fixes and things, passive sort of treatments as well to basically fix themselves. I think that's the biggest differentiator between physio and chiro and osteo. But, you know, there's always good and bad of every profession. But I personally think that a good therapist is one that teaches people how to prevent issues and main, give them the tools they need to maintain their body themselves. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Mm. So how did, how did you two meet? Because I want to get into this first. So, so Al, I'm assuming you're obviously a physiotherapist. Yes. And Martin came to you because his body is... That's not how we met, actually. No? No. No? We met in a men's circle. Ah, yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We were staring into each other's eyes for three yeah. minutes. Longingly. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> we were doing a lot of exercises in a men's circle. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was, that was a, I, well, I, that's a very good way to, to meet somebody, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Should we talk about men's circle for a minute? Does anybody yeah. know? I mean, I don't know. Does anybody know? I'm talking to the audience like like <laughs> yeah. we have a two way, like we have a two row uh, uh, communications channel right now. I don't know how many of our listeners slash viewers know about men's circle. So perhaps we should explain what a men's circle is. Yeah, for sure. I'm 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 not a, an avid men's circler, but you know I've been to a couple. But from what I gathered with my experience there, it's it's basically a space where men can communicate a bit better and, you know, just vent. Yeah, and I think express vulnerability as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's definitely a thing. Yeah. Um, and, and, and probably learn how, how better to embrace their, their femininity and embrace that uh, and, and master the balance, the yin-yang balance. That's probably it. That's yeah, thing as well. It was it was a good men's circle, wasn't it? Although we, we had a lot of um, doctrine, mm. there was a lot of things we had to sort of go through, you know, every week. Which, um, all due respect to the to the guys who organised it, because they because it was a a really wonderful thing to do. And mm. yeah, we had a good few weeks, didn't we? It, it yeah. fell apart because everyone sort of left the country for a while, didn't they? Yeah, I we... think these things always come and go, though. They're, um, yeah, which is nice. So that's how we met. Mm. We were staring longly into each other's eyes, and as you can see, Al has beautiful blue eyes. Yes, yeah, we all got blue eyes. Uh, yeah, yeah, you got blue eyes. Mine are kind of bluey green. 
Yeah. Um, and then I said to Al, you're a physiotherapist. Okay. Yeah. And I need lots of things fixed. Mm-hmm. Well, what, do you want to get that sorted now? <laughs> Talk about you. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I told him I only work on the physical stuff. Yeah. Uh, I can't help with the <laughs> other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't, don't bring your baggage here. <laughs> so, well, well, I went to see Al because of a chronic injury, if you like, which you know about, a pain I have between my sort of shoulder blades well, on my left side and it, and, it's, and it goes into my shoulder and into the, um, the upper left arm. And what was interesting about that conversation, as I explained to you, Al, I'd had that problem since around 2017. Mm. What are we now? 2022. How did you injure your shoulder? Well, it came out completely. How did I injure my sho- how shoulder? You, how did yeah. you shoulder? <laughs> Let me try that again. How did you injure your shoulder? Well, that's a very good question because actually I didn't technically injure it. So that's why I was confused. Yeah. And I'd been to see a physiotherapist in London whose name I cannot remember. But frankly, he took a lot of money off me on a weekly basis to give me a, a rub down. Mm. And, and, and that didn't work. And I've been to see many, many, many massage specialists and body workers. Mm. And I've had... Well, I've had all sorts of stuff done to it, and, and nobody ever fixed it. And I went to see Al, and he asked me a series of questions, and very quickly ascertained it was my infraspinatus. Yeah, infraspinatus. And here's and so, do you remember the injury? Obviously, you yeah. Treat, so, would you like to explain that it wasn't actually an injury per se, or rather, it was an injury created by weakness? Yeah. So, well, there's there's two main ways that you know yeah injure a structure or tissue it it can be one sort of high volume load thing all at once like a car crash but a lot of the time it's just repetitive gradual overload over time and when it comes to tendon injuries especially you you have to load it a very specific way again for it to actually heal so there's no amount of passive work you can do on it that's going to actually structurally fix the tendon you need to gradually load it at a specific rate over time to actually encourage the tendon to heal itself. Yeah, and so if you find that you're going backwards and forwards week on week to a practitioner and they're providing like some sort of passive treatment, it's it's not going to fix it at the end of the day. You go you're gonna you're gonna spend a lot of money. Feel good. I did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it didn't and the feel good wasn't for long. Yeah. Or yeah, the yeah. Good, or the good feels. Yeah, but I, I think I explained it. Like we we chatted about it briefly in my workshop I did as well. Mm. Um, it can actually rewire your brain too. So if you go for passive treatment that makes you feel good once a week, every week, your brain's actually going to rewire the same way as addiction. And when it comes to the day before or two days before, your your brain's going to actually send impulses saying, "Oh, this is painful again. I need some passive work done." And so it's it's the same as any sort of addiction. You're relying on something to alleviate pain, and it's not a good route to go down. And it can really, really, really cause a lot of problems to people with chronic chronic pain, so chronic back pain and chronic shoulder pain as well. If they go to a practitioner week on week to just get some hands-on work done, it can make those pathways in the brain that elicit pain really ingrained, and and then it's a really difficult process to, you know, get them back to 100%. 
plus all the, um, you know, the psychological priming as well. So the practitioner, if the practitioner keeps telling you every week, yeah, you got to do this. It's going to fix it. It's going to fix it. That priming's, you know, that's, that's hard to work through that sort of priming with clients as well and patients. You can get some patients sometimes where they, they've got these ingrained beliefs that are just so, so full on that even if you explain to them exactly why these treatments before aren't working and why this will work, it, it won't even register because that priming in the head is just so full on. And you can sometimes tell that just from like the first uh, consultation, whether to gradually ease the information on someone as well. Um, because they won't be able to handle it all at once and then they won't come back. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for that. And, and so just to elaborate on my issue, my issue was actually through inactivity and through obviously being a writer, sitting at my desk Mm. all the time, Mm -hmm. sitting at my desk, slightly going like this, sort of leaning forward a little bit and, uh, and cause this, this injury as a result of that. And then I, ironically, the other reason I went to see him was because of this pain in my left knee, which as it transpires is from sitting cross-legged for the last few years all oh, the time. I'm not even commenting on that. <laughs> she was always telling me, you don't have to sit cross-legged all the time. Yeah. But I was saying, I like sitting cross-legged. Yeah. And um, the point with the, men- it, was a meniscus, it is a meniscus injury. And the point was, again, because I'm... Bending my knee out of shape without doing any load or putting any load on it, right? So without doing any exercise. Yeah. So Is that about right? Yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, there's no like, there's no, I don't think there's any improper sort of form or technique or improper movements you can, you can do. It's just tolerable or intolerable load for that structure, given what sort of movement you want to do. And, you know, your knee couldn't tolerate all that bending over and over again. It was obviously putting a bit of load on that meniscus, so it's hard to get irritated over time. Mm. And, but the, the fundamental point is that actually I didn't do anything to injure myself. Mm. It's, it, I injured myself by not doing anything. Yeah. <laughs> so like you didn't prepare your body to sit cross-legged. Exactly yeah. that. And if you think I spent like 44 years of my life never sitting cross-legged and then suddenly yeah. I get into meditation and this whole you know new way of life, I'm like, yeah, I quite like sitting like this. And my knee's going, what the fuck? You can't do that with, <laughs> yeah. with, with 45. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how a lot of injuries happen. People, you know, they've either stopped a level activity or stopped an activity they've wanted to they've been doing for like you know a couple of years and then they just go back and try to do the same level activity that they once were at or they go from zero they have not done nothing or never done that activity before and they're like oh yeah I'm just going to do that and just Mm. just ramp it up to you know 100 and that's generally how injuries come about all the time. Well and that was why why I wanted to get you on the podcast was because I was so Perhaps I was naive and didn't actually know what a physiotherapist did, but my sense of what a physio did, and, and I'm not sporty, as you know, so I, I've, I've never had a, a super sporty athletic background. I, I used to do plenty of gym training and a lot of running, mm. um, but then it, in those days I didn't get injured because I was just younger, I guess. Um, but I had a, a misperception of what a physio did. So, and I, I saw, I suppose I saw a physio as a, uh, as a, a responsive therapist mm. responding to reactive, exactly reactive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So reacting or responding to injury. Yeah. And, uh, I was quite, uh, 
pleasantly surprised with your approach. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I think it's safe to say that some physiotherapists probably are more reactive. Is that is that the case? Or? Well, that's a difficult thing. And I, I can empathize as well because I ran practices back in the Gold Coast. And the way the way I treat people and teaching people how to manage their own issues themselves, you're not going to get them coming back twice a week. And that money isn't going to come in twice a week. So if, if they're a therapist in a first world country that's strapped for time and seeing you for 20 minutes for a hundred dollars, they they pro they probably, they probably need to do that to keep the lights on. Um, so I totally empathize with that, with how a lot of, yeah, a lot of health practitioners, um, treat that way because, um, the alternative is not practicing at all. Hmm. Yeah, and not having the money to practice at all. Yeah, it kind of blows, isn't it? But yeah. um, there's a different way to look at that, though, isn't there? Because if you end up working with somebody to help them heal their own injury, mm. then you might find that people want to stay with you because they're prevention. But yeah. You know, it's a bit like with acupuncture, how... Isn't it with acupuncture, you used to pay your doctor to help you maintain your health, and when you got sick, yeah, then, you, then the doctor wouldn't charge you. So it's like yeah. you kind of work together to keep that keep that maintenance to keep the well-being and then yeah. when there's an injury then it then it shifts yeah 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 it definitely and that that's my biggest return clients are people that have already they're already out of injury they're already they're pain-free they're doing everything they want to do but you know they'll come in once every couple of weeks or once every month and it'll be predominantly gym-based strength stuff that we do in the gym and teaching them how to maintain their own body themselves and if there's a niggle or anything that comes up, I teach them preventative work with strength and rehab-based stuff in a gym that they can do to stop that niggle becoming something that's going to stop them from doing what they want to do. Mm. Yeah. And I, and as you mentioned earlier, I attended your Bulletproof Your Knee workshop not too yeah. long ago. <clears throat> yeah. Because my knees need bulletproofing. Yeah. <laughs> because they're shot to pieces. And uh, one thing I, I loved about your approach, your modality, if you like, was that you, you I think you did a diagram at one point where mm. you talked about how people come to see you. But ultimately, most mm. people come to see you with an injury. Yeah. But that's just stage one from your perspective. And then you, yep. so you help them fix the injury mm -hmm. and then you take them through further stages to strengthen. Do you want to talk about that for a minute? Yeah, yeah, sure. So like, like you said, most people are reactive. They'll only go to physio when they've got something that's stopping them doing what they want to do. And at that point, there's, you know, tissue, destruction, there's inflammation, all that sort of stuff happening. And it's a, it's a much longer road to rehab. So first you get on top of the inflammation, the pain and all that sort of stuff. So they can adequately, you know, do the strength and the rehab sort of work to build that structure back up. And that's what I take them through. I... I teach them initially that, you know, we're just getting on top of the pain and inflammation. You know, we can do some hands-on, some massage work, some dry needling, all that sort of stuff. But structurally, it's not going to fix anything. Anything you, any sort of long-term benefit you want to gain, it's, you got to do the work yourself, essentially. And no, one, no one's going to fix you with their hands or anything like that. And so I go from the pain and inflammation part, then I take them through some basic stuff so they get the confidence back with using that structure and moving through those ranges that generally have been pretty painful to move through and educate them on pain and which is a 
what what a good amount of pain in and what a bad amount of pain is. And then from there, we, we start road mapping them back into, you know, their physical activity and their level of physical activity. So, you know, if they're a surfer and they have some sort of, you know, knee problem, they, they need a good level of balance control, um, stability work, but also I'm a big advocate of strength work. And that's one of the, you know, the, the further steps towards close to the end, um, Strength training has so many benefits in terms of improving your tissue, you know, integrity, making it more robust and all that sort of stuff. And doing strength training, it's a really low risk of injury in itself. So you can get people adequately doing strength training to some extent, even a modified extent, even if they have an injury. So they're building everything up while they've still got the injury and while it's healing. And so I go through the pain inflammation, then we go through like balance control, stability work, get some confidence back, and then we progress into, you know, heavy strength stuff. And then we combine that heavy strength work with how they're actually going to use their body in their play, like, you know, surfing or running or anything like that. Mm. Yeah. And then teaching them long-term how to manage that and how to adjust their body accordingly if they want to increase their kilometers or they increase their surfing or decrease and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Yeah, I love that because it's super proactive, isn't it? And it, and mm. I, I think it uh, I think it instills a lot of confidence for uh, whomever you're working with. Self empowerment, isn't it? To remember yeah. that we can we can heal ourselves. Yeah, that's what we always forget. Sometimes we just need yeah. a little external guidance and help, and then we've got the, we've got the ability within us. Yeah. Just we have to do it. And I think yeah. I know myself. I've been to the physio many times. Mm. And then they give me my exercises, and I don't do them. Yeah, and that I think that I remember. <laughs> I imagine that's quite common. Yeah, it, it is very common. Um, and getting people to understand that doing the exercises to get you to the point where you're out of pain doesn't necessarily mean that the structure is completely rehabilitated too. So, for example, you know, you might not be in any pain right now with the infraspinatus tendon. I am. You are? Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing the exercises. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when it comes to that, you know, especially like tendons as well, you can get to a point where it's pain-free, but it actually takes a good couple of months to heal the holes and the tears in those tendons. And it needs very specific loading of that specific amount of time as well. Mm. I I think for, for two weeks, because I went to see you for, what, three, four weeks in a row, didn't I? And then I started bailing because of this, that, and the other. And um, But for the first couple of weeks, I did start to feel a real improvement, and I was mm. doing the exercises, but then I just... just you know, just use, add lots of excuses as to why I wasn't yeah. going to do it. I'm writing my book, yada, yada. Yeah. This happened, that happened, you know, whatever, any excuse. I, I don't need many excuses to not do exercise. Yeah. And, 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 and that, that's something that, that I'm, I've got to work on. I'm yeah. kind of irritates. I'm irritating myself in a non-irritated way, if you know what I mean. But, mm. um, because I was talking to a friend the other day, um, Audrey, who's mm. been on the show actually. And, uh, you know, her and her husband are 50, but, I mean, you just wouldn't know it, would you? No, but they, it's getting into routine, isn't it? So once you have your routine yeah. and you know that those exercises, you're going to do them at the same time every day. Yeah. Well, that's that's the point Audrey was making. Yeah. So so yeah. she she said, because uh, I'm 47 mm. today, of course. So it's, mm. my, it's my birthday today. Happy birthday. Birthday. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> that's why we're all wearing flowers. Yeah. That's why we're all wearing flowers. If you're watching the video, we're wearing birthday flowers yeah. from our frangipani tree in the garden. Yeah. 
So yeah, she said, "How old are you?" I said, "47." She said, Whoa. "You know, you, you get into you, you've, you're gonna, <laughs> Martin, you're gonna have to start going to the gym every day now, or, yeah. or at least three times a week because we we get to that age, don't we? Where mm-hmm. that it's not. I'm not 30 anymore. I'm not yeah. 20. I'm not 30. I'm not even in my early 40s. So yeah, and the, this Earth Rover is just gonna deteriorate. Yeah, if I don't maintain some sort of daily slash thrice weekly practice, is that right? Yeah, exactly. And um, what I try and teach people as well when they come in for physio is the simplest and easiest ways they can implement something that's the best value for time for their body. That's not going to take up too much time and so they can maintain their body for what they ultimately want to use it for. Um, Yeah, so for example, strength training is just the best in Mm. terms of value for money, value for time as well and the risk of injury when doing strength training is really low do you want to elaborate on on the definition of strength training for, yeah sure for, so for those people who haven't got a clue what you're talking yeah about. yeah so sh- strength training is essentially going to the gym and picking up something really heavy <laughs> <laughs> so we, we we used to call it weight training but yeah, yeah okay so strength training yeah. is, is weights any sort of resistance training um You know, it used to be like eight to 12 reps and going to the point, it takes a little while to teach your body how to go to like true failure. And I educate people on that as well for the first couple of months. You know, your tissues need time to adapt because your muscles adapt a lot quicker than your tendons and your ligaments. So you still want to leave some left in the tank for the first couple of months, especially if you're new to it when it comes to not quite pushing to failure. But yeah, resistance training, 8 to 12 reps is a good guide because, you know, people already know that. There's research to suggest that it doesn't really matter how many reps you do as long as you hit that point of like 8 to 9 out of 10 perceived exertion. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I teach people in my sessions ways that they can implement things to keep doing what they want to do. Mm. Yeah, I, I I like that, and I, and also I like the fact that we started working with resistance bands, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so your recommendation is you do that first before you start lifting the heavy stuff in the gym. Yeah. So for example, with your particular injury, what we do is get it to a good point where it's pretty comfortable to do everything. It might not be a hundred percent healed at that point, but you can still go to the gym, and then you can work in this other specific rehab stuff around your gym work as well um i teach people you know as simple as can be like a push pull and a leg session pretty much two or three sessions a week um around what you like to do um you know i've had thoughts about this before and i might be a bit biased as well because i've grown up experimenting with my body since i was a little kid so my level of tolerance to load might be a bit greater than the average person yeah yeah well I mean, anybody who's not watching the video he's he's quite a strapping lad is our al so um yeah, I yeah. Mean, obviously you've got but were you always did you always have that build or were you were you at any point in your life scrawny or did you were you always a um a muscly lad i think yeah like initially when we were little kids we were pretty scrawny but we we've always been into like surfing and surf life saving my brother and i so we've always been pretty stout Mm. Um, stout, good yeah. word. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've been, yeah, we've been pretty um, stout, and you know, I've always had the in, an interest of what my body can tolerate as well. Yeah. So, yeah. I've always, you know, kind of trialed and errored different things. 
and I've had lots of injuries myself. Yeah. So I know what works and what doesn't. And it, I think that helps to empathize with people too, because I've had some major injuries as well. Is that, what, is that got anything to do with why, how you became a physiotherapist? Yeah, big time. I used to, um, I used to compete in like the state level, Australian level for surf life saving and, uh, state level for, uh, soccer football too. So I was always getting like injuries. Um, and actually my physiotherapist was really good looking when I was a kid. So I was like, I want to be a physio. (laughs) (laughs) I want one of those. Yeah. I want that job. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> whereas, whereas, yeah. as I was growing up, yeah. um, I was experimenting with my body drinking stout. Yeah. <laughs> seeing how much stout my body could take yeah. uh, before I, we passed out. So, yeah. Yeah. And I was always scrawny. So I've, I've always been super, super skinny. And, and, but I've, got, I've definitely got skinnier mm-hmm. in, the, in recent years. But of course, when you quit, Drug and alcohol addiction, obviously all mm. the sugar that you, you're consuming when you drink 10 pints of, of yeah. something a day, um, the weight falls off, doesn't it? But yeah, yeah well, we we, uh, uh, we, made, we had a conversation with Jake Illing from Barley Training Centre, yeah. and um, which will be on uh, on the podcast shortly, if it, if it hasn't already been on by the time people are listening to this. And Jake is addicted to fitness. Yeah. It's safe to say never before have I spoken to anyone who is who is as passionate about fitness as, as Jay Kelly. Because it, it makes yeah. him feel so good. So he has to do it to yeah. maintain that. Yeah. That, that yeah. He lights up when he talks about it. And, and as, he, as he explains it, he has this excess energy in the morning when he wakes up. Mm. And even though he's meditating and doing mindfulness and breathwork practices until he goes for a 10k run or you know really hammers it out in the gym or whatever he's doing in the boxing gym or whatever mm. um that nervous energy stays with him so it's yeah so that's what makes him feel um super good but my point being sitting talking to jake about this stuff for an hour and a bit i was going oh man i gotta get i've gotta i've gotta get back on the yeah. gotta get back on this <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta get back in the gym and yeah now, i had an excuse because I did just start going to the gym again, mm. which I think I told you about. But uh, then I, my, my arm got stuck in the middle of a dog fight. Ah. And um, so I've got a tendon injury, actually. Might need to talk to you about that. <laughs> <laughs> I might see you next year for it. <laughs> to- tooth puncture, fang puncture in yeah. my forearm here that was gum deep. It was oh. muda. They were yeah. fighting each other. And I couldn't move my arm at all. So now I've got mm. this restricted range of motion in my... You know, I can push that back. But this one... Yeah. So these pains, pain in the tendons there. Mm. And I guess you'd just say resistance bands, wouldn't you? Probably, this stage. Uh, I'd I'd have to have a look at it. I could <laughs> I couldn't tell you exactly. Trying to right get there. a free consult. <laughs> <I was gonna say>. <laughs> <laughs> Utilize the uh, podcast interview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For a free consult. <laughs> but yeah, they injured my tendons anyway. Yeah. So I was I was going to the gym, then I had to stop. Yeah. So I've not been for what two three weeks. Yeah. Anyway, all that to say. I like talking to you, Al, because you always make me feel like right. Okay, I got to get, I got to get back on with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to get back, and I've got to fix this infraspinatus injury, and I got to fix this yeah. meniscus injury, and that's just through doing the exercises you've already given me with resistance bands, mm. which are actually really easy. And it's interesting you talk about doubling up because what I realised was I, I like to watch, you know, binge binge watch a good drama or a mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, but in recent weeks, I've been smashing all my time into writing my book, so I haven't been doing it. 
But actually, it's a good time to to do resistance band training and that sort of thing is when you're watching a movie, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if, that, if you would advise that. <laughs> no, that's that's perfect. Well, uh, yeah, I I talk to people about how to, you know, adhere to the exercises as well. Um, you know, there, there's some like any issue you have, there's always someone that's solved the problem and they've written a book about it. Mm-hmm. And if they solve the problem good enough, then they're making money from it. So you, you, you open up books like, you know, Atomic Habits or, you know, The Power of Habit and all that. They talk mm. about habit stacking. So you can implement it while you're doing something in particular, like doing balance exercises while you're brushing your teeth yeah. or something like that. Um, yeah, just, just do it in a way that it doesn't feel like work. Mm. Implementing into morning routine or something like that seems to be pretty effective. Yeah, and mm. I always say that as well, like setting your alarm. So say you're, because you, when you sit at your desk, you are just there. And I have to mm. go in and tell him to like get up. But if he's, if you set an alarm and it's like, okay, this alarm's going to go off and I've got to get up and do one of my sets of resistance training. Yeah. To break it up, but to make sure you yeah, get, yeah. get it into your day. Yeah. It's it's a strange, strange thing that I, I when I focus my attention on something, mm. it is one-pointed. Yeah. But it's just going to be very detrimental to your your physical being, which very then is detrimental so. yeah. to your well-being. Yeah, very yeah. much so. And, and this, yeah. uh, the, the book, writing the book is, is a classic example. I mean, mm. I, I, I have in recent weeks probably been sitting at that desk for 12, 15 hours, haven't I? Mm-hmm. In a wow. row. Just writing and editing yeah. and writing and editing. Um, yeah. And hopefully it will pay off with, with a good book. But that's the, when it comes to writing things, you know, I, I love writing. That's what I, you know, obviously mm. I'm sure you would spend as much, you spend as much time as you possibly can doing exercise or, or on the surfboard, for example, because that's mm. your jam. Yeah. And writing is my jam. So, so I love doing it. But, uh, but I'm painfully aware, pardon the shit pun, yeah. that my body is, is taking the brunt of it. Yeah. And it's a funny thing, obviously, to have a podcast called How to Die Happy and and, yeah. and, and preparing to release a book called How to Die Happy. Yeah. When Earth Rover maintenance, Earth Rover being the human body, folks, is a crucial aspect of that. Yeah. And if you think back to when I first started to do all this work back in 2019, how fit I was and how much yoga I was doing and how much breath work and all this stuff... And it's definitely fallen by the wayside again. So I must, um, whilst I retain my meditation and mindfulness practices, yeah, I need to get back on the mat with yeah. you doing my yoga, and I need to start doing them, doing yep. the resistance bands. So Atomic Habits, great point, great book. Mm-hmm. I need to reread that. Yeah, yeah. that's a once a year one for me. Mm-hmm. It's, a good, it's a good refresher, isn't it? Yeah, it's just it's super super simple, and he gives super simple examples on how to implement it as well I, I i suggest that to a lot of my clients that ask that sort of stuff too mm. um that's a good place to start uh james clear yeah i think yeah it is yeah yeah that, that's a good place to start um yeah i, I really like that one but that you know like the power of habit seven habits you know high performance habits they're all really good as well but yeah atomic habits just makes it simple easy to read Anyone could pick it up and go, oh, yeah, I can do that while I'm brushing my teeth. Or, you know, I can I can stack that habit with something else. So after I finish brushing my teeth, I go on straight into the next thing, like a free flow effect. Stick I do that when habit. I'm brushing my teeth. I either do squats or I do yeah. Um, ankle raises. Yeah, good, see? I do it in the kitchen as well. Like when you're, if you're in the kitchen doing something, you just start doing a different movement as you're yeah. making food. Great. See, this is, this is a good patient right here. 
I live with a, I live with a, a very accomplished <laughs> yoga teacher. Yeah. People, people always sort of roll their eyes at me when I'm when I uh, yeah. when I make these comments about not looking after my body. Yeah. Going, Dude, yeah. <laughs> you you live with a yoga teacher. Yeah. yeah. But the thing is, because he's writing the book, so like I would probably get up most days five thirty, six o'clock. Yeah. And I get on my mat, and I'm always like, join me. You know, I'm not going to teach you because it's my practice, but you can join me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's, you're recently, you haven't been coming to bed. So you're going to bed at like two in the morning. Mm. And then when you finally wake up, it's kind of roll out of bed and get back on your desk, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, it's full on. It's yeah. full on. And if he's not doing, well, yeah, I mean, obviously I'm not writing the book, then I might be up until stupid o'clock mixing and editing podcasts. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, once this book's done and I'm three chapters off finishing it. Yeah, friends, it's exciting. Then uh, yeah, I'm I'm getting back on it. Totally getting back on it. I've got no com- I've got no um yeah I've got no excuses mm. then have I? No. Al, but do I- you have um do you have quite a strict routine like wellness routine or are you a bit more flowy with it? What's your um yeah I I do uh in terms of my eating habits as well um yeah and I try to I try to practice what I preach as well so I'll do the gym you know, three times a week, three or four times a week around surfing to maintain my body. But I also just find it's easier as well. Um, if I have like an eating routine where I'm cooking up my meals for the whole week, I don't have to think about as much. There's not as much decision fatigue when, you know, it comes to dinner time. Like, oh, maybe. Did you say decision fatigue? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can relate to that. Yeah. Especially yeah, yeah. when it comes to cooking. Yeah. Because I, I have that all the time, don't I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 just like that. Like that whole discipline equals freedom thing. The more disciplined you are, the more time you have for the things you enjoy doing because all the other bases are covered. Or you just, you know, your everyday maintenance, earth rover maintenance sort of stuff. <laughs> earth rover maintenance. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I talk to, yeah, I get I get a few patients that as well that they ask me about that sort of stuff, and you know, I, I have over the years spent a lot of money. That that's all I spend money on is either surfboard equipment or, you know, people's knowledge on health and fitness and all that sort of stuff. So anyone that I've had a session with, where it be like a nutritionist or anything like that, I've I've got it all documented. So for example, if I wanted to increase a couple of kilos of muscle mass, I can just go to a particular regime someone's written out for me and then implement that. If I want to lose it or maintain for surfing, I just do that, do that. Yeah, I just I. I find it really helpful just to keep everything regimented. <laughs> well, well, it makes sense, doesn't it? I, I, yeah, I, I can remember. I can remember that. Yeah, <laughs> just. Yeah, I, I'm a creature of habit. Yeah, and we uh, all are. I think we are. We are. We yeah. mainly are, aren't we? And, and when, when I get a, uh, a routine in, that's mm. me sorted. But but yeah. then we we have sort of debates about this, don't we? Because I, yeah. I, I I get to the point where I I would happily eat the same meal. Yeah. Every Monday, the same meal. Yeah, that's great. Right? Yeah. Then there's, no, as you say, decision fatigue. I love that. Yeah, but yeah. I think that's that's um, very much the masculine way of being, which is nothing yeah. wrong with that. So we've, you know, even within my masculine, sometimes I need that structure. Mm. But the feminine yeah. likes change. Yeah. Know? So it's it's really good, I think, to embrace both and have a good balance. Of, like I could not, like a lot of my family do it. You know, every Monday night is like a certain meal and it's the same every night of the week. Mm. And I, I can't do that. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But then I open the fridge and go, what's in the fridge? And then I make, make something up. That's, yeah. how I, that's how I tend to cook. 
But yeah, it would be helpful if, say, like on a Sunday, we cooked up together mm. the week's worth of food and then it's just there ready. That would be yeah. really helpful. Yeah, I, I mean, I could I could get on board with that sort yeah. of thinking. The thing is for me is that obviously I come from a more Ayurvedic background and we don't really mm. like to pre-cook food. You cook yeah. food when it's fresh, you eat it fresh. And then yeah. obviously when you're pre-cooking, it's sitting in the fridge, mm-hmm. kind of debates around around the um, the nutrition nutritional content when you do that. Yeah. And also the... the, 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 the the life of the food, whether it's still alive. Mm. But it does help, you know, if you've got a dal in the fridge and a soup and it's there for the week. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We both work a lot, you know, and I get home having taught all day. Yeah. Like the last thing I want to do then is cook. Yeah, exactly. You know, but... Or then just choose a gross takeout meal. Well, then, but... yeah, we eat out a lot and I yeah. want to stop because it's, I think when you eat out a lot, you don't know what's going in your food. Yeah. There's not the same amount of love going in your food. You can't, yeah. you can't control it. And I like to, I like to control more what I'm eating. We eat, mm. we eat, we eat healthy food, but the big debate is how much of it is organic when you eat out. And what oil's going and in what it. what oil, yeah. yeah. They're, they're using vegetable oils or seed yeah. oils or... Yeah. And then we spend a lot of money at oil. home buying really high quality food, really, yeah. everything's organic, and then yeah. you eat out and you throw that out the window. It. So it doesn't make <laughs> yeah. any sense. Yeah. yeah. I, I, got, I got told by someone that they even use, like, I don't know how true this is, they even use, like motor oil and stuff for cooking here and some warungs and stuff. Oh, I, don't, I think that might be. <laughs> I don't, yeah. I've heard they recycle oil. I, they, yeah. that, I, apparently that is quite rare. I know for a fact they do that yeah. because I met yeah. a guy who's in the um, Rotary Club. Yeah. And they got together and uh, co-funded a, a renal ward in oh. Sanur. I don't want to. Yeah, okay, continue. Renal's kidney, right? Kidney. Yeah, yeah. And that was an apparently kidney... Yeah. failure yeah. in kidney disease is absolutely rife in Bali because of that. So people yeah. are people are buying u- the used oil from restaurants and warehouses yeah. to then use again to, to because obviously oil's expensive, you know, it's uh, it's mm. in many parts not a developed country. Yeah. So people are buying this carcinogenic but the, the, but the oil's carcinogenic anyway. So if you're Absolutely. cooking with yeah. the, the seed oils, the vegetable oils, they're already carcinogenic. Mm. You're already, and yeah. the problem is, is most restaurants around here cook with that. Mm. Yeah. It's really hard to find the ones cooking with like coconut oil. Yeah. yeah. Which is ironic because there are coconuts everywhere. I know, right? But coconut <laughs> oil seems to be so expensive here, which is... It doesn't make sense. It doesn't, does it? No. Doesn't, but uh, yeah, I'd love to get a nutritionist on the show actually, so we can talk about the nuances of this stuff. Because mm. nobody ever told me that veg- I, I grew up mm. using vegetable oil, yeah, sunflower oil, vegetable oil. I'm sure I don't know if we were rapeseed oil. That's another mm-hmm. thing in the UK, and all of these oils are absolutely poisonous for us. Well, our so they call it vegetable oil, so it sounds good, but it's not made of vegetables. <laughs> uh, <laughs> super poisonous. So, so yeah, it's a conversation we need to have separately, just to. So we can really get to the nuts and bolts of this because little do we realize that there are so many household products mm. licensed, approved yep. by governments and government health bodies that you can go and buy in a supermarket or buy in bulk, which are literal poison for our bodies. Yeah. Isn't that insane? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's why you want to take control and know where your food's coming from and make it yourself. Yeah. Okay, so I've got to do more cooking. I've got to do some resistance band training. Do your exercises. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've said this before on this on this show, but I, I you know, I know nothing. 
Yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't project myself as any guru in any way, shape, or form about anything. Actually, the more I know, yeah. the less I know, especially yeah. in terms of reading and learning and doing interviews like this. Um, but uh, one thing I do need to start knowing more about is 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 this body. Is, is, yeah. is to take more care of this body because it's, uh, I'm the man. On, I'm the man on the mend. Yeah. And I, and I think there's something. There was something marginally charming about being a man on the mend, mm. um, but I, I don't think I need to be quite as on the mend still as I per, per, perhaps still am. I don't Maybe know. You now yeah. be the mended man. Yeah. yeah. Well, man yeah. on the maintenance. Ma- yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maintaining man. Yeah. Okay. No further need to attain. It's about maintaining. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, when it when it comes to that shoulder injury, you you don't want you don't want to go down the route of shoulder surgery it's it's not pleasant at the best of times and it's one of the most painful things to get done and you know when when you add up the costs of not being able to work and the mental health strain of going through surgery and the gradual you know reintegration into your activity and all that it's it's tens of thousands of times more expensive than doing your exercises Mm. (laughs) it's funny you say that because we we were talking about that earlier on this morning uh, I, i can't remember the I'm paraphrasing the quote, and I can't remember who said it, but I, I think it's something on, on, along the lines of wellness is significantly less expensive than illness. Yeah. And, and it, it's very obvious stuff when you think about it in these terms. Mm. However, how many of us are actually doing this sort of thing preventatively? I don't know. I mean, we talked to Jake about this the other week because mm. we live in a strange bubble down here, don't we? Yeah, big time. Like everybody is fit as a fiddle down here. All good looking people. It's great. <laughs> Beautiful, half naked, yeah. incredible bodies. Yeah. And that's anybody from the age of whatever, 20 yeah. to 60. It's incredible, plus. isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's 60 plus, yeah. Yeah. But I, I think it's safe to say that is an, an unusual, it's an unusual population, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. Very uh, atypical, isn't it? But then. Yeah. Priority, isn't it? So I think. Yeah. I think here it's easier for us to prioritize our health because yeah. because we're living such an outdoors lifestyle, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's so much fresh produce. And mm-hmm. I think generally when you get to live more outdoors, yeah. it does equate to healthier living. Yeah. Yeah, well, absolutely that. And, and not also, for all countries. No, no. And, and, and if you, the, in stark contrast, I think back to my life in London where my commute was an hour yeah. every morning and an hour, yeah. an mm-hmm. hour plus every evening. So... Mm. Very, very difficult to bake that into yeah. a day when you're yeah. in the office for five thirty, six a.m. You're leaving the office at seven, eight p.m. Yeah, you know, like... it's, it's funny, isn't it? Because when you, I love it when you look at different countries and how they look at health. And I remember saying somewhere like England, not all the time. There's a huge difference in people, but we would generally, after work, as a group of friends, go to the pub. And that's the socialising. Yeah, guilty. Yeah. When I was in Scandinavia, mm. you would meet your friends at the swimming pool. Oh really? And they're open air, open air, freshwater swimming pools. Yeah. And that's generally where you would meet after work and have a swim and have a chat in the hot tub. Well, I can't. Yeah. I, I, but I. But will they inter- obviously still go to the pub and have a drink. But it's just yeah. there was that. Scandinavians yeah. drink like Vikings. They do, but it's yeah. I, I, when I was there, I found that really amazing that people would say, yeah. "Do you want to come and meet me at the swimming pool?" Rather yeah. than "Do you want to come and meet me at the pub?" You know, it was a or balance. Yeah. <laughs> or we'll go swimming and then we'll go. Yeah, swimming. go to the pub afterwards because, after you've had a swim yeah. in a hot tub. Because, yeah. Because we've earned it. 
Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sweated it out in the uh, sauna. Yeah, well, that's the thing though, isn't it? I mean, I don't know because I'm obviously, as you know, I don't drink anymore. So I, I'm not, not really plugged into the whole drinking scene here but mm. and i think i'd convinced myself there wasn't really one but there is isn't there? there's actually there is quite a big yeah. drinking scene down yeah. here anyway down is down, party, down the yeah. party town yeah it's a pretty big party town I, I i'm not really into that scene either but there there used to be before the pandemic there used to be something every day of the week here it's steadily getting back to that i think mm. um and then you got your australian friends that come over every second week now post pandemic and they always want to do something <laughs> let's go out. It's Sunday. Let's go to single fin. I got the, I got work tomorrow, man. <laughs> Did you see the uh, the 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 internet, the global internet? In fact, yeah. well, I mean, the internet is global, right? But yeah. but what I mean is the it made global news this week. An Aussie guy, uh, an unruly tourist, as they called him, was was yeah. doing donuts on a on a scooter. Yeah, in Chengdu was it? I think. Did you see this? No, that sounds pretty consistent with drunk from my place. Uh, yeah, <laughs> drunk. I mean, this guy was just in the middle of the road, just yeah. basically full on brake, full on accelerator, just filling the whole street with smoke. They're filming him. There's a yeah. traffic queue behind him, and he's just you know, you know, to yeah. the anyway. The, the police are searching for him now. There's a there's a, there's a nationwide really manhunt for this Hilarious. guy, and uh, they're kicking him out when they find him. But they've also <laughs> said that there's been there have been several complaints, obviously, since Bali uh, has reopened. Yeah, I mean, let's face it, a lot, lot of people were stuck in their countries, yeah, saving money as well, yeah. <laughs> or getting free money, yeah, or getting free money. And then, yeah. Yeah. okay, go. Yeah. So they all piled onto planes, and, yeah. and then they're in Bali, and they're all partying yeah. in Bali. So I guess there's been a, a, a few months of absolute madness here, haven't there? Yeah, big time. God knows we've nearly killed a fair few kids on scooters and motorbikes oh, that's crazy in, in in near traffic accidents yeah 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 especially Changu. it's i don't like i used to do one day a week down there okay um uh, but i don't i stopped doing that just because the traffic and it's just it's just scary mm-hmm. um on the roads now as well people pulling out in front of you not even looking on the phone texting while they're revving the throttle <laughs> yeah you see that a lot. Well, that's an interesting question do, do you how how many injuries are you treating like that are you, do you are you looking after a lot of people who have had a had a bang on a bike or is it more sports related um so because i came here mid pandemic um my client base is primarily you know people that live here like expats and they're generally a bit more responsible on the road. I do, I have had one or two people, serious motorbike accidents, but I don't actually treat many tourists. And I, I would imagine that's where the bulk of the motorcycle accidents come from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I get, well, I suppose they go to a hospital, but do the yeah. hospitals here offer physiotherapy? Uh, they do. Um, but it's, it's just like every other medical service here. It's not at the level of a first world country. Um, yeah, it's definitely not at the level of first world country. So there are, there are gaps between my knowledge and, you know, the average physiotherapy, uh, physiotherapists, Indonesian here as well. So they do offer it. Um, but it's definitely not as good as, you know, first world trained Australian, Canadian or English physiotherapists. Yeah. So how many people are percentage wise, how many, how many people come to you with, um, something like me, that Mm -hmm. is to say, I've got chronic pain 
And actually, mm-hmm. when I think about it, I've had it for five years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Versus I, I, I snapped something on the surfboard last week. Uh, I'd say the vast majority are repetitive, gradual overuse injuries. So similar to, so similar similar to, to me. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Do you think that's yeah. because we have, I don't know, it's this bizarre thing we do as humans. We start to go, oh, that hurts. Yeah. I'm going to ignore it. Yeah. And I'm going to ignore it and maybe take some painkillers or I'm going to ignore it and just keep kind of keep going, doing what I'm doing. And every yeah. now and then I'll grumble about it, but I won't, yeah. I won't help myself. Do you think that's like an, a lack of awareness in the sense of we're not as aware of our bodies. So we start to just think it's normal to feel that pain rather than going, oh, wait, that doesn't feel right. I need to go and see somebody. Yeah, definitely. Um, And there, there's a lot of people you talk to as well that they'll tell you that they've just had this niggling problem in their shoulder forever and they're like yeah it's just part of who i am now mm. i'm just like it doesn't have to be that way so we get used to pain <laughs> it's like, like you're it's talking fine. about me but, yeah. it, but, it, but, it, but I, yeah i mean when you yeah. li- li- listen to you two talking about it like that mm. objectively yeah it sounds insane but it yeah. but it is also a thing and, yeah. and for, for me i think also as you as you get older mm. as the oldest person in the room yeah. um I, I think you do not all of us, but some of us do tell ourselves, "Well, that's just that's just going to happen, isn't it? You know, these yeah. things are just going to hurt." Mm-hmm. But you, but obviously, you're both right. Yeah. We, sh- we shouldn't. Hurt. We should feel good. Like should, yeah. our bodies can yeah. feel amazing, and when everything's aligned, mm-hmm. we have none of those niggles. Yeah, we just feel great. Yeah, and the amount of medical research now on you know reversing or slowing down the aging process or even preventing it, like you can do things. Like strength training, and it can reverse arthritic changes and all that sort of stuff. The amount of, you know, information out there now, they, you know, it is at a point where you can get to a point where you're pain free, but you know, well into old age. Mm, I thought you said inflammation, but you said information. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the amount of inflammation out yeah, there, is, yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. That's, that's a lot. Like, I find yeah. that really interesting within yoga. Like, I really like to work on mobility and preventative work. So thinking mm. about Okay, so why am I doing this specific asana mm. versus, say, like a different asana that means when I'm 80, mm. I can still touch the floor, I yeah. can still reach the higher cupboards, I can be really mobile. Yeah. But sometimes I feel like I like to look at it in that way and to see, mm. like, I want to maintain the health of my body so I can do all the things I want to do yeah. right up into my 80s. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Well, that's that's what that's what it's about, like... You maintain the body. You just want to keep doing what you've always done for as long as possible. Mm. And even make it feel better than you knew you could make it feel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. For sure. You know, I got um, like 60, 70-year-old guys. They're coming in. They're still surfing happily. You know, they might not be as fast or as agile as they used to be, but they, they still work on that stuff in the gym, and they're, they're fine. I oh, met that 80-year-old guy the other week. Um, oh, yeah. Um, I think I want to call him Graham. He might have been called Graham. Yeah, and he he surprised us. Shout out Graham, if you're listening. He told us he was in his 80s. Well, he was 80. I think he was 80 or 80s. He doesn't look it. I was like, you're 80. I mean, he's sitting in yeah, yeah, having some Indonesian food. And he bodyboards. He says he can't, he doesn't surf anymore because he Mm. finds the pop-up too much now. Yeah. He bodyboards. Yeah. And he's like, and he's traveling and living a great life. And he's like, why not? He was was radiating. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know when you see somebody and you just see them glowing. Yeah, you know, and he yeah, was—he yeah. was actually she. She 
spotted a grey hair on my head and started pulling it out. <laughs> and then she started to sort <laughs> I of put it out. Yeah. Was root- okay, she was, she, she was rooting around looking for these grey hairs. And I sort yeah. of looked at him and he started laughing because he had a full white, you know, yeah. full head of white hair. And he's laughing. <laughs> and I'm going right, and he's yeah. he just sort of like looks. And we got chatting to him, and uh, yeah. yeah, he just he was radiating, and so we got. We had a conversation about about all of this stuff. Does he we? does he live here? No, no he, was he was on holiday. Oh, okay. Aus, Aussie guy, and he was meeting yeah. his daughter. Yeah, he was meeting his daughter. His daughter was going to come out and have a holiday with him, mm. and it was just really nice to chat to him because he said, being in his eighties, a lot of people mm. ignore him. It's like he's invisible because he's an older man. Yeah, but for us, we were like, you're sitting in drift and yeah, yeah, it's radiating yeah. great energy, and you're. His yeah. daughter's in her 50s. She's coming yeah. out to hang out with her dad and have a holiday. And I was yeah. like, I love it. Well, also, I mean, I, it's, uh, well, it's a little bit, makes, it makes you a little bit sad thinking that, that people see old folks as wallpaper like that. Because I, mm. I, 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 I was really surprised when he said it because I, I, I'm usually really keen to, to have conversations with people like that. Mm. They've they've been on the planet for a long time. They've done yeah. some mm. stuff. Some yeah. They've got some stories. Yeah, exactly. They've got wisdom. But mm. it's it's an interesting because when he said it, I was super surprised, and I, and I I don't think he was um, exaggerating. Yeah, I think it was a, it was probably a, a fair and honest point. But and it does make you wonder about the West. And when I say the West, Australia isn't the West, is it? But it, but it's you know I don't know what are we going to call it a developed christian country i suppose yeah. that's the, that's the the difference hmm? we have a very different view of our old folks mm-hmm. don't we compared to the to the east in the east in bali for example where we are now the old folks live with the family Mm-hmm. Um, they might all live together in the same compound the mm-hmm. whole they the have whole their own little anyway. space but they're part yeah. of the family and they still have their jobs within the family and they yeah. get to take care of the kids a lot yeah, yeah. whereas we put them in a home we stick yeah. them in a home <laughs> is that is the same in Australia Do you, yeah big time yeah. yeah and the US as well it's absolutely yeah. the numbers are absolutely insane and yeah. the but then meanwhile everyone's complaining about child, child care costs and yeah. like having to put their kids in child care and you just think hang on a sec this doesn't make any sense your grandparents are all in a home yeah, your kids are all in a childcare centre. Yeah, it's actually could your grand, your parents just be looking after your kids. Yeah, or, you know, and then keep it in the family. It's, yeah. it's a really good point. Although I was I I was actually doing some research for the book because I talk about this in the book. I'm talking mm. about how we look after our or don't look after the elderly, and of course death and dying yeah. and all of that sort of stuff. Cause it's all in the book, but but uh, but rising. Uh, house prices are apparently one of the the main reasons. Uh, well, one of the main reasons given as to why we don't mm. we don't uh, why we ship the old folks off to homes. But mm. that doesn't make I, any sense. Well, it doesn't, doesn't to me because surely to add a to get a house with an extra be, extra bedroom compared to the exorbitant costs for for putting an old uh, person in, an elderly person old elderly uh, in a home for a year, two years, five years before they die. Surely the latter is significantly mm-hmm. more expensive. And as I then said, you save on other costs because they can help out. Mm. Yeah, and, all, and also, I mean, don't get me wrong. Look, uh, there's no judgment here, by the way, folks. In case you none have, at all, no. In case you've got, uh, in case you're sitting there going, "Well, it's all right for you to say, but if, if you <laughs> yeah. had, if you had my mum and dad, you wouldn't yeah. be, you wouldn't be keeping them in the house." Yeah, and and, and I think this perhaps is part of the issue as well and i know we're going way off pace to in, we'll get back to the to yeah. earth rover maintenance in a minute but perhaps it's to do with the the broken familial uh, setup in the west where we've, mm-hmm. we've trauma after trauma a generational trauma where 
some parents really weren't all that great to their kids. And mm. um, But also we've wanted to be super um, independent and we've become very individualized yeah, rather truth. than here where we see, and we're lucky because we've seen this, you know, I might not have the same viewpoint if I was still at home. I've, I've got to come here and see it. Here it's about community and you stay together as a community and you support each other and help each other. And as you get older, you become, you're really respected and you see it, don't you? The way... Like the younger men here will say, help one of the older men onto a mm. onto a motorbike, or mm. they'll carry them, and there's a lot of respect across the yeah. road. They'll stop traffic. Yeah, yeah. That's um, just coming back to Earth Rover maintenance and combining that with our elderly mm. folks' well story. One thing I one thing I have noticed here, I don't know about you guys, is yeah. you see a lot of elderly people, men usually, um, like speed walking. Or yep. on the beach, you know, like, and they'll, mm. or they'll, you know, they'll be speed walking, they'll be doing this with their arms, or, you know, and so, and remember when we lived in Ketewell? Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a Balinese village. Yeah. Well, there were no foreigners there at all, mm-hmm. one or two foreign houses, and, and we were right on the beach. So everybody, the whole village would walk up and down that mm-hmm. beach past our house every morning, oh, every lunchtime, yeah. every evening. Oh. Uh, which was kind of weird sometimes because they would just stop and just stare in the garden, just stare at <laughs> yeah. us like, while, we, while, we have, while we're having breakfast. But um, yeah. but also you'd see countless old folks, you know, yeah, or even jogging, you know, and you could mm. see, you could tell they were in the 60s, 70s, 80s, yeah, still jogging down the beach. But not just that, like we saw an older guy recently, and he was ripped. I mean, yeah. very skinny but ripped. Yeah, and it's like. Because a lot of the men here do such physical... He's not mm. going to the gym every day. I mean, he yeah, is no. doing physical labor. Like, like, a lot of them are out fishing as well. Yeah. But but I think in body maintenance, yeah. they're really work keeping their bodies going. And they, so they're getting yeah. into their 80s with physically really fit. Yeah. Do you think, Al, do you think that that we are now more proactive about uh, Earth Rover maintenance than we ever were? Um... That, I think that depends on the population you ask. And what, what I mean by that is, I think we're very lucky here uh, because we don't have to work 50, 60 hours a week to earn a comfortable sort of income. And like you said before, um, you know, with your commuting and all that sort of stuff, the amount of time taken up just by working and commuting and all that sort of stuff, I don't think people have the energy or the time to invest in looking into what sort of things they do to fix themselves. So it's just easier to take a pill. Uh, not the truth. And, yeah. I suppose, and I suppose there are more and more pills becoming available that yeah. may or may not work to, yeah. to some of those things. And, you know, we're, we're pretty lucky here because I actually, I actually worked it out um, because my, my prices are a bit less expensive than back home, but to to earn save the same amount of money as I was doing at home for a sixty hour week, um, given the cost of living and the tax rate and all that sort of stuff here, I only have to work like 14, 13 hours. Thirteen hours a week, yeah. As opposed to what back 60 in sixty in us, wow. yeah. So I think we have a lot more time here to. You know, ask questions and, in, you know, talk to people that are also invested. A lot of people are invested in health and wellness here. Mm. So it, it is a very specific pool of people here that are interested in, you know, wellness and preventative stuff and 
you know, you can tell because every, every, every person's good looking here as well. You know, every person's healthy and fit and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, so I, 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 I guess it depends on the population, but in general, you're probably right, right. The Western, you know, society getting worked down to the bone, working 40, 50, 60 hours a week. They don't have time to invest or ask questions to the right people. Mm. to get the knowledge to invest in themselves adequately. And I don't think that's getting any easier for people. Although there has, there have been some interesting noises coming out of Europe now mm. since the uh, pandemic has, has, has made it clear for people that they can... You say pandemic, I like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can't help myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that's That's got a lot of people very much more used to remote working, right? So yeah. And as a result, actually, a lot of folks sort yeah. of went back to work and said, actually, this sucks. <laughs> yeah. Any chance I can work at home? So yeah. major, major employers, big corporations yeah. around the world have had to say, oh, okay, right, well, I mean, yeah, let's look at that. So they're, yeah. they're operating these hybrid working arrangements mm-hmm. where, where folks are actually being able to, uh, are now able to, to do two days in the office and, and the rest and three days at, at yeah. home. But now there are a couple of countries... Oh, I can't remember. I think Belgium might be one of them. Mm. It's actually looking into a four-day week. Yeah. So, so, and I, there's a few countries that yeah. I told you about. So, so they're actually, and they're talking about essentially trying to make that a legal requirement. Yeah. How much more productive we'd be yeah. if we did four-day week so that you you probably still get just as much work done with right. less hours yeah. and you'd just be a healthier, happier person. But what would you do with that extra day in Belgium, though? <laughs> <laughs> Any Belgians listening to the show, please uh, <laughs> drop some comments for us. Let us know what you will do. Uh, I was catching up with my friend yesterday. He's from Belgium. Where, have you been to Belgium? I've not, do you know, no, I've I haven't. I've been through Belgium, but I've never been to Belgium. Um, yeah. But there's a great movie called In Bruges yeah. with uh, Colin Farrell oh, yeah, and Ray Fiennes, which is and Brendan um, yeah. Fraser. Brendan Fraser. Incredible movie, but yeah. the the whole irony of that is that um, it's about two um, two Irish hitmen, yeah, who, who who do a job in goes wrong. I guess Ireland, yeah. or England goes wrong, and they have to escape to they have to get out to Bruges, and they're waiting for their boss to come and tell them what to do uh, next. Cool. And Colin Farrell, bloody brilliant, yeah. absolutely brilliant, deadly funny, pardon the pun, mm. but the whole constant theme is that yeah. Colin Farrell is bored. <laughs> yeah. of his brain it's like fucking Bruges that, yeah. there's nothing to do in Bruges that was a terrible Irish accent uh, you're normally good at your Irish no he's really good at the Irish accent but we know he's trying to do yeah. Colin Farrell doing an Irish yeah. accent and didn't work very well yeah. we actually do have a, a growing Irish contingency in our audience so mm. apologies to my um, yeah. my uh, ancestors and, yeah. uh, and uh, genetic brethren yeah. for my poor Irish accent Anyway, where were we? So we were talking about Belgium. <laughs> oh, four, yeah. four day weeks. Tim yeah. Ferriss, wasn't it? Tim Ferriss did a, wrote a book called Four Day Week, didn't he? Uh, four Hour Work Week. Four Hour Work Week, not Four Day Week. Yeah. yeah. That's, I've read that. Yeah. I couldn't remember the title. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a lot to be said for it, I yeah. think. And I'm sure the, 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 the reason why they are now evaluating this on a larger scale is, A, because of the pressure from, from people mm. saying, eh, I'm not going back. Yeah. But B, because somebody must have actually started to do some some yeah. analysis on this. And and as you yeah. said, at the end of the day, I, I think you're significantly more productive. Yeah, for sure. 
I think uh, I, I, it's been a long while since I had a yeah. <laughs> since I worked a five day week. So. Yeah. No, one, no one should be sitting at a desk for eight hours staring That's at a computer screen. It's the same yeah. as schools. Like kids should not be sat at a desk no. for eight hours a day. Pretend. I mean, it is. They're not concentrating. They're yeah. just wasting their day being told yeah. stuff. It's not going in. Have you read Why We Sleep? Yeah. <laughs> You've been loving that book. Yeah, I don't want to read it right now. No, so I don't want to know what. Well, well, interesting. You, obviously, before you got just as you got here, you said yeah. I didn't get a lot of sleep, and you couldn't, yeah. and you had short-term memory issues. Yeah. One of the many, one of the many uh, problems of of, of uh, yeah. a lack of sleep is short-term memory issues. Mm. One of the bigger ones, apparently, is if we don't have eight hours sleep average every night, so we're yeah. doing we're halving that on a on a regular basis. We are doubling our uh, potential for cancer. Yeah, mm. uh, and of course Alzheimer's and uh, and dementia and so on and so forth. So there, yep. everybody read why we sleep. But the yep. point I was going to make was I'd never even considered this. But one of the points he he dives into is how we force our teenagers, yeah, to adapt a schedule to get up at the same time mm-hmm. to drag their ass to school, yeah, and to sit through that whole when actually the teenage circadian rhythm is naturally completely different to, is the, it to the adult or what was it i can't remember i think it was uh i think the point is that actually a teenager teenagers circadian rhythms more like they're more likely to get up around 10 11 and they're more yeah. likely to go to sleep around midnight plus yeah. because this is why teenagers do want to stay up until and they do yeah. naturally just want to do that don't they yeah. Yeah. You fight with them but we exactly, but, but but traditionally we fight with them and say go to bed or you're in trouble. And, and they, mm. it's not that they it's not that they are being truculent teenagers. Although I'm sure there's a, there's an element of that. It's because their circadian rhythm isn't set up for it. Mm. So forcing children to go to school at the time we send them to school is mm. actually doing their their ability to learn significant damage mm. because they haven't had the sleep. Yeah, the circadian rhythm's not set up, so the brain's not set up to to store the energy. Uh, Store the memories in the yeah. in, in the way it traditionally would. We've just forgot. Yeah. We've forgotten that we're cyclical beings. You know, yeah. even if you think about um, in in like England, it gets darker. So the winter, you've got a lot less daylight hours. Mm. And traditionally, you would just do a lot less in the winter times. You'd mm. rest more. You take that opportunity to go a bit more inwards and let your body recover. Yeah. And then when the sun comes out in the summer, great. You can spend more, get up earlier, go to bed later, and be more productive in the day. And we yeah. kind of just. God, no, no, let's ignore all of that. We're just going to get up at this time every day. Regimented. Go to bed at this time every day and fit in eight hours of work. Well, that's, at this part yeah. of the that's life in the matrix. And then you've got obviously yeah. women, they've got an, an additional cycle to work with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And their cycle does not work with the male cycle. So women <laughs> definitely shouldn't be doing like the same regimen every day. And it's, mm-hmm. yeah, it'd be really beautiful to see if things start to transition and people get more freedom with their work days, mm. how, how people start living with that. Well, people... Yeah. I think people are just seizing that freedom. Mm. People are really stepping into their sovereignty yeah. now, and it's a and it's yeah. a wonderful thing to watch because uh, it's it's insane that we've over the course of what fifty, sixty, seventy years we've we've allowed ourselves to become imprisoned to uh to this system, to the matrix, if you like, mm-hmm. and where where yeah, you've got to work five days a week. It's traditionally you work from these hours to that hours. You got to do this. You got to do that. Yeah, and and all of it is very counterintuitive to to what to what's good for us. Yeah, um, from a physical and a and a mental health perspective. Mm. And yeah, it, coming back to that, um, like nine to five workday. Um, how long ago did you guys work like a nine to five job for a while? Oh yeah, uh, twenty eighteen. I would say. Well, early yeah. twenty nineteen. 
I moved here in, in April 2019. Can you guys remember like a, a day when you worked that nine to five where you were productive for those full eight hours ever? Well, it's it's an interesting question because because I was a business owner, so I suppose yeah. it was probably perhaps extra onus from me. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, from me on me to to do it. I I would work uh, from maybe five thirty, so I'd be in the office from five thirty six in the morning. Yeah, and I would spank it out until seven or eight. But mm. very interesting question: How productive was it? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I, obviously, I was a for a long time a high functioning alcoholic and cocaine addict, so. I, I don't of, imagine I was all that effective. You through. <laughs> that, that's okay, productive. I think I was kind of lucky because my last, yeah. I mean, it wasn't really a nine to five, call it a nine to five, was help, was running a deli, like a deli slash cafe. Yeah. So for me, I was, again, I was on my feet all day, chatting to mm, customers, a yeah. much more sociable job. And I think I used to go in, at, I'd, I lived above the shop. So I'd get in at seven and just things like set out the bread display because I never yeah. wanted to sit at a desk. Yeah. And I would have bits of the day where I had to do my manager stuff and sit at the desk. But I was yeah. kind of lucky for that. Yeah. So, I mean, I was probably there for eight hours, but it wasn't like sit down and work for eight hours of the day. Yeah. Okay. Do you, do you do nine to five though as a physio? Not Did here. There's mm. no, it's nowhere near nine to five here. <laughs> <laughs> well, you nine to five surfing. And yeah. Then, like, work five your to schedule. Six. Yeah. Work your schedule around my surfing. Ske- yeah, yeah. My schedule, it revolves around what the surf is doing. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. You're not the only person living in <laughs> no. down here that no, does that. Yeah. You need to get into that though. Mm. Yeah. Mm. It's the best. I know. I really want to start. Yeah. It's yeah, it's just so good for mental health side of things mm. as well. I don't really understand why, but after every time I do it, I feel great. Mm-hmm. Simply put, well, it's, pre- it's probably a combination, isn't it, of the of the the cardiovascular because you're actually doing yeah. a lot of exercise, but also mm. it's like any sport you are you're meditating aren't you yeah yeah yeah, yeah. You get that you're, with, you're with the with the elements you're the best place you can be yeah it. no phones no notifications mm. yeah yeah i'd love to be able to get up every morning surf yoga then breakfast like yeah perfect start to the day yeah it'd be perfect mm-hmm. you guys live in a good place because you've got all like the wet season waves just next door yeah we're can... like bang in the middle of all the yeah yeah what, uh, what wet season uh, as in um Melastian. Uh, no, the not Malasti. Pandawa, yeah, and like Greenbowl and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah. yeah you, you can't you, surf uh, Malasti or Karma or Nyang Nyang, can you? You can surf Nyang Nyang, yeah. yeah. There's all up that beach, yeah. Big-ass waves, though, in Nyang Nyang. Yeah, it's fun. In that reef. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just want little... Yeah, it, yeah, this is... It's just... It, it, it blows your mind, like... You know, sometimes with some things that are just, you know, really great in your life, you see it every day and, you know, it you kind of get numb to the fact of how great it is. But when it comes to, like, surfing, it's just all year round there's there's waves mm. and it, they're, they're, like, world class. It's a surfer's paradise, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As opposed to back where I came from, this time of year until about January, February, it would be choppy onshore, knee-high. Most of the time, maybe the old cyclone, but that's about it, mm. really. Yeah. So you have to. So what would you do? You well, you come to Bali, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I would you, get the longboard or something like that. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to have a go on the longboard. Yeah, they're fun. Super fun. Yeah, I love watching people when they. It looks like they're dancing, doesn't it? On the longboard. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, yeah. I feel like the females do really well 
that yeah. have like a really good sort of flow on longboards. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy watching female longboarders. There are some very accomplished and stylish long female longboarders around here. I've watched them as well. Yeah. Just like yeah. tippy toe to the end and then tippy yeah. toe back. And yeah. Just looks like a good flow. It does. Very smart. Yeah. Beautiful. So what advice would you have then for the typical person listening to this who's who's got that chronic injury and mm-hmm. and has been sitting with it for five years? I mean, is it is it obvious advice? Is it go and see come and see a physiotherapist? Um it, I I don't know if it's obvious advice because again we we come from a bias sort of standpoint where everything we do in this community is geared around learning, you know, long-term management strategies and wellness strategies that aren't necessarily going to fix you overnight. Um, but when it comes to specific advice for someone with, you know, long-term chronic pain issues, um, you also got to take into account what's happening outside the musculoskeletal sort of sphere as well. And where there's other things that are affecting their ability to, to recover. So, you know, excessively stressful lifestyle and all that sort of stuff. But just letting them know that like anything in life, nothing good comes easy or straight away. If you want long-term, you know, quantifiable results that are actually going to keep you healthy, it, it's going to take work. No, There's no therapist out there that's going to structurally fix your problem you've got to do the work yourself you need to load it a specific way you need to learn how to load it and you need to adhere to it for a good amount of time to fix it as well um but yeah as i said like when it comes to people with five-year history of like chronic sort of pain there's usually other things at play too like you know um psychosocial stuff also ingrained beliefs from other therapists, what other therapists have told them to. Um, but yeah, there's, there's no quick pill that's going to fix it. No amount of massage or manipulation or cracking is going to structurally change your injury. You're going to have to do it yourself. Mm, that's good advice because I, I think we do get into the habit of thinking, well, you know, I'm going to the, I'm going to get a massage every week. So hopefully that's yeah. doing it. But obviously some massage folks are significantly better than others, right? Some body workers are better than others, but the, the, you, the first time I came to see you, you knew exactly what the issue was and you went straight to that point and your massage, well, 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 notable <laughs> from a, um, it's a polite way to put it. pressure perspective. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there were a couple of times where I sort of went, you know, I'm sort of yeah. trying to, I'm talking to you about you. Know, oh, tell me all about your life, mate. Well, yeah, I just wanted you to be quiet. But I felt infinitely better after you did it. Yeah, not immediately after because it felt. He was raving about the body work when he came home. Yeah, yeah, and and that's the difference, right? I mean, that's the difference between being a being a a properly qualified body worker who's 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 going after the injuries as opposed to yeah. All due respect, you know, Pete, there's, there's a time and a place for, for having what a relaxing massage. Yeah, what you yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I was saying this morning to you, like, I'm at the point where I feel like I want to work with a body worker that I work with so regularly that they know my body. Mm. Because obviously, teaching yoga, like, I use my body every day. And sometimes, yeah. it, honestly, like, 
if I haven't managed to do my practice and I've gone to teaching four classes, mm. you never fully properly do a practice. You're always dipping in and out and you're yeah. flowing and you're, I think sometimes you put your body in a little bit of risk because if you're slightly unmindful for a moment and you go mm. into a posture quickly to show somebody it, yeah. and I can feel it every now and then you get a twin. <laughs> yeah. So you're kind of like, if you want to work with a body worker that helps you maintain and yeah. then also they can help you like when something's out. Yeah. But it's really hard to, on a financial sense, to work with somebody that regularly. But I yeah. think it's so important. That's a big yeah. investment, isn't it? Yeah. Like for ages, yeah. I was going for like massages, like because they're cheap here. Mm. I got to my eyes realizing, yes, it's really nice in the moment, but it's actually not doing anything for my body. Yeah. I'd almost rather just put that money aside and then go once a month yeah. to like a body worker. Yeah. 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 And, um, you know, you can, you can, you know, I, um, I openly talk about this with clients as well. Like, you know, obviously everyone's concerned financially. Let me, you know, let me know what you can work with and I'll try and cater your rehab around it. So, you know, you have progressions and things like that too. I can't necessarily say that these progressions will be exactly what you need, you know, given if you leave three months space between, you know, treatments, mm. but at least you've got a guide of what, you know, of where to go. Mm. And that's forward. very, that's very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. What, uh, so, you know, your neck injury, mm. is that, is that something you would take to a physiotherapist or do you think this is back to the original question about osteopaths and chiropractors? I mm. What does an osteopath do? Um, I, I don't know exactly how they you know, Diva, so I can't, I can't comment completely, but in, in general, I think that physiotherapy is more evidence-based. So everything we do has to have evidence behind it that it's actually going to work. You don't think chiropractic, uh, chiropractic or osteopath, I'm losing my yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, use of language here, but a chiropractor or an osteopath, surely, surely that's scientifically based, no? Um, it depends. So when it comes to manipulating, like, you know, chiros do like cracking bones or, you know, cracking bones, mm. um, manipulating joints, it has transient effects that will make you feel better for a short period of time. But again, it comes back to it's passive work. If it's passive work and it's predominantly passive work and they're getting you to come back every week, it's not fixing anything. Mm. Nothing's getting fixed. Mm. Yeah, that yeah. I was seeing a chiropractor years ago. I had ongoing pain issues with my knees. Mm -hmm. And it was great for a beginning because obviously, if, you know, that he's looking at the structure of my whole body and trying to figure mm. out where I'm out of alignment, yeah. where that was coming from. Mm -hmm. And so to begin with, it was helpful because it did get me into alignment so that the pain was better. So I could actually then do the stuff yeah. to help find the strength and to help kind of uh, build everything back up. But there was a mm. point where I was going like three times a week. And it was expensive. And you were in there for like 20 minutes. Mm. And eventually I was like, okay, like I need to go to someone who's going to give me, I mean, I think I did get, get given exercises to do, mm. keep, keep the maintenance up. Yeah. But I now know people who are like every week still, years down the line, mm -hmm. going every week to get that quick fix. But I don't think anything's changing long term. Yeah, that them. doesn't feel no. like the right route, does it? No. You know, I've never actually been to see a chiropractor though. I feel There's like, different yeah. types. But maybe yeah. it's maybe it's good to go once or twice in your life. I saw an amazing yeah. chiropractor <laughs> once, and she did something to my neck that no one has ever done before. And I wouldn't—I don't know anyone touch my neck really. Mm. And she was very energetically based as well. So yeah. when she went in, I don't know, like it kind of she allowed it allowed my body to let her touch my neck. 
Mm-hmm. And she did an assist that scared the crap out of me because the noise mm-hmm. that my neck made. Mm-hmm. I was yeah. like, what yeah. have you done? But actually, it freed up my neck so much yeah. that then I was then able to more co- more confidently do other exercises. Mm. After felt, your neck surgery. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Then I felt that I now had a new spaciousness within my neck that allowed yeah. me more freedom of movement. So I could do yeah. physiotherapy. Because up until that point, I was so like trapped in it. Yeah. So I think, yeah, there's that's it's perfect. finding that balance of getting the treatments to help you assist with other treatments, maybe. Yeah, and, that, and that's perfect. That's a perfect way to utilize that sort of treatment as well. If it gets you to a point where you feel comfortable in doing the work that's going to fix it long term, then it's perfect. But if you're getting someone telling you to come back every week because this is the only way for the rest of your life that you're going to feel unblocked in your neck, then you, you you need to run, yeah, really quickly, as quickly um, as you can with your injuries. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, it's it's it, it exactly it has a place, but at the end of the day, when it you talked about going back, you know, three times a week, every week, a general rule I find with my you know treating history, if I'm not seeing good discernible changes that are going to put you on track to get to 100% within three sessions, two or three sessions, then there's a good chance that I need to refer on to something else. Mm. Yeah. Mm, that's good. That's a good rule of thumb. Yeah. You should know where you are. Have you, because obviously Jules, so Jules had a serious injury in her neck and she had a surgery. Mm-hmm. You still suffer with it, don't you? Uh, yeah. I think for me, though, a lot of it is about the way my muscles had to carry my neck because of mm. the injury to the spine so my neck my muscles took a brunt of it and I think I stopped using I can't remember any of my anatomy right now mm. I wasn't using the head bones connected to the, the muscles bone. here <laughs> so they, they weakened yeah so there was like this complete imbalance in my neck because yeah. of how I'd been carrying my neck and I but I actually think a lot of my current pain stems from the the neck muscles going into the shoulder but I think a lot of it's psychosomatic because mm. I carried that pain for so long yeah. Um, that I also bit off a fear. And actually recently, um, it's actually through my Kundalini practice. Mm. I'd be in the classes and I'd be like, oh, I can't do this because it's going to hurt my neck because yeah. I'm carrying this fear of re-injury. Mm-hmm. And there was one day I just said, because a lot of it's about mind controlling the thoughts in my mind when you're yep. in Kundalini. And I was like, do you know what? You're fine. There's nothing wrong with your neck anymore. Mm-hmm. So I kept my arms up. I finished the exercise. And yeah, I had an ache. Yeah. But then it was fine. And yeah. I was like, yeah, it's fine. There's nothing there anymore. It's just, yeah. it's that mindset I think and just be, yeah being able to push through because it does you yeah. you carry the muscle memory yeah is there for a long time after an injury we just, we just get used to the pain don't we and as, as yeah. Al said at yeah. the beginning of the conversation we we convince ourselves I have an injury mm-hmm. and then yeah. also you're like I can't do certain things yeah I don't want to re-injure it yeah and that, and that holds you back from so much th- so much stuff I mean I know there's certain things I can't do like I don't do headstands yeah. I don't carry, I'm not meant to carry heavy things in my yeah. arms. But for the rest of it, I'm like, of course I can do that. Yeah. Just do it with mindfulness. And and you, you need to ask yourself again. Um, So most structures like in the body have a pretty good capacity to heal themselves or adapt. Yeah. Um, So after three or so months, unless it's something seriously displaced, your body's, your body's going to figure out a way how to heal it. Mm-hmm. So from three months or so onwards, the pain you're feeling is more in 
your brain yeah. as well. And so that's, that's a big part of chronic. A big part of chronic sort of rehab is educating people. And you, you, already, you already figured it out yourself, but a big way to teach people that they can do stuff again is to load it and put it in those uncomfortable positions uh, at a safe rate that's going to feel, you know, not necessarily completely comfortable to them. You push to the point where it's a little bit uncomfortable, but as soon as you back off, the pain goes away and you keep doing that over and over again, you're going to find that you're going to build that load tolerance again. You're going to do everything you're able to do. For example, like lifting things, like why, why do you think you can't do that? Mm, this the surgeon was just like just be mindful of how much load you carry yeah like carry you can carry stuff but just be mindful yeah. when it gets too heavy because i had the yeah. what happened i had four prolapse discs in my neck okay so yeah. obviously probably now it's fine but again it's probably still yeah. in my mind from those days because he was like just don't yeah just be mindful of what you carry and what sort of surgery did they do for uh they well first of all i said can we wait a while can yeah we give it six months i want to see if i can heal mm. myself mm-hmm so I spent six months, lots of yoga, like rehab, yeah. rehab, rehab for my neck. And actually three of the discs retracted and went back yeah. in place, but one of them didn't. And it was pushing right back into my spinal cord. Oh, okay. And I did a lot of like snowboarding. I was very, mm. and he was like, because you're so active, mm. you run the risk of it right, going right into your spinal cord and then, okay. then more issues are going to happen. So yeah, they, right. they went in, in the front of my neck yeah. and they pulled it out, scraped it out. Yeah. And then they put in a little fake disc. Yeah, cool. But then through that, the discs above it and below it start, they have started to fuse, mm. which he said might happen, but it would have happened more if they'd fused any fused, of it. So it's natural fusion. fusion. But yeah. then it's developed a bit of arthritis right? Like from the heating process. like the. Yeah. But to okay. be honest, like I, I think it's super strong now. It's yeah. just, again, it was that fear because it was like that for so long. I had to be mm. really mindful. Yeah. Yeah. And teaching people how to conquer that fear in a safe way is a very important part of chronic pain rehabilitation too. Mm. Yeah. yeah How, the pain is so bad when something at your neck goes. You yeah. Know, I don't ever want to be, I don't want to feel that again. Yeah. I think then you just hold back and then, and then I think you make it worse. Yeah. Cause you, I, I kept doing, I kept tensing and holding and like. Start avoiding things. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of exercises would you do though to strengthen your neck? Seems like a strange place to, to be able to do any work. Well, for me, it was more a lot about like, giving my neck space at the time mm. so like allowing the neck to space for gentle movement but i think my neck actually strengthened on its own because it was holding mm. there was so much injury in the spine that my muscles so before my surgery actually the physio i was seeing a physio before surgery mm. they wanted to i can't remember what the thing was but they wanted my muscles to something to change in the muscle structure for the surgery mm-hmm. and then they started giving me loads of acupuncture okay because they were like your muscles in the neck are so tense mm. That we need to, everything just needs to chill out, relax. Yeah. So that we can actually go in and do the surgery. Yeah. And cool. that was all through physio work. And, mm. yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's getting there. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's fine. I mean, it's fine. Yeah. It's just so me. I just don't stand on my head. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just me with a broken earth rover. Yeah. And I'll get round to it. <laughs> Gotta get on the routine. Yeah. And the resistance bands. So what is, what's next for Al then? What are you, uh, what are you up to? What exciting projects are you working on? Um, right now I'm just, um, I'm focusing a lot on, um, like, yeah, the workshop kind of side of things because there, there has been a pretty good response with the first two or three, four. And I um, went on one. Do you want to talk about the workshop idea? 
the premise yeah. the premise of the of, of what you what you did what we did versus what you want to do so i i just basically mapped out the process from you know pain and inflammation when you're at that reactive point of view when you first get an injury to you know long term maintenance and i taught i try to keep it as simple as possible and teach people specific things they can do for each step to push themselves along the path of rehabilitation with simple things like bands and you know tape and all that sort of stuff and that's that's essentially it um and yeah that there was a there was a there was a really good response for the first knee one um i enjoyed it yeah 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 cool it's good very good. Yeah. Very helpful. Yeah. Awesome. A- another reminder of the things that I'm not doing that I should be doing. Yeah. And now you're, the next one is a shoulder yep. workshop. Uh, on the 19th um, and the 20th. Um, both days almost sold out again. Nice. I might even do a third day. Um, actually, no, I don't know. It's just a lot of work. I'm tired. <laughs> yeah. That's way over surfing. my hours of the week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's hitting the 15 just with the workshop. <laughs> like, yeah. No way. Yeah. But, but if from there, um, I, I kind of want to set something up where, uh, cause I, I've had, uh, I've had actually a lot of people ask if they can download the PowerPoint and voice over it. So I want to package all that stuff up and put it online somehow. Mm. That That's kind of, I don't know how to I do that. Create stuff. an online course. Yeah. And put it all online, um, as well. Uh, yeah. Cause I've, I've had, I've had a few people already, they've already paid for their shoulder workshop online mm. and they haven't even, they're not even coming to the actual shoulder workshop. Ah, they're just going to get the, the deck and, a, and some sort of a voiceover. Yeah. 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 And you know, I'll give them the exercise equipment they need and all that sort of stuff. But that that's what I kinda wanna steer towards as well. I wanna I wanna put more and more stuff online and you know, I, I've 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 got a relationship with a couple of um surf camps as well. So if I have more online stuff like that, then I can do more of the retreats, you know, in the mentorize and all that where I go away for a month and surf mm, for a month and teach. Which would me. suck. Yeah, it's just awful. Yeah. Totally suck going yeah. to the mentorize. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's like short term, that's what I want to kind of do. Um yeah. I, I just just having the know how and how to do all that stuff is maybe we can give you some contacts or hints and tips and Yeah, uh, that'd be great. Of course we have recording equipment. Yeah, but I yeah, I'd I'd like to do that sort of stuff as well. I, I do I do get a fair few patients that ask me for um just general like life advice and all that sort of stuff too. Um you know, in terms of, you know, habit forming and all that sort of stuff. Because I do a lot of that sort of work on myself. Um I don't know if um and I, I want to find a way how to give that information to people. Not necessarily for any sort of money. I just, you know, it, it's just cool helping people, mm. you know. I think servicing other people is pretty cool at the end of the day. Amen to that, brother. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you need to start a podcast. It's <laughs> <laughs> too much work. Hey. <laughs> if it doesn't fit in the 15 hours, if you don't want a couple of times this times of this a week then yeah. it's a lot of work takes yeah an, it takes us an hour to set up the uh, the studio but it but it but yeah. uh, just to to double down on on what mm. you just said i you know i spent 
a great deal of my life in service to self in in many ways. And granted, mm. I was an employer, and uh, and I've never been yeah. greedy. I've always been, a, um, I suppose, generous, but still primarily mm. service to self. But yeah, since we started this podcast, mm. and we are we're sharing what we know, and and, yeah. and that's all we can share. And and but of course, then we're getting other people in like you who share what they know, and 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 it is it's an incredible it's an incredible gift. Yeah. Uh, and and we're told it's an incredible gift as well. I suppose mm. if we were just gibbering and jabbering and nobody was actually listening or commenting, then yeah. by now we might have packed it in. Hey, but um, yeah, but it well, is. you always said if you help one person, yeah, it was worth doing. Yeah, exactly. and we we do have a lot of people who get in touch like that. So it's really it's it's getting messages like that that keeps it going because it's yeah. it's not like this. We don't make any money doing this. Yeah, you know this is just you know time, energy, attention, and love. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I know what you mean. It's a wonderful thing to be able to, to impart something that you know inherently, yeah, which has uh, a profound effect on somebody else's day or month or week or or life. Yeah, I think I think, you know, when I don't know if this is true for you guys, but when I was younger, you know, you'd be focusing a lot especially in Australia, because everything's so high pressure and highly competitive. You're just focusing on the dollar, Mm -hmm. basically. And I found once I came over here and money isn't as much of an issue because you can keep your cost of living so low, it takes a weight off your mind knowing that you're not doing it anymore for the money. And Mm -hmm. I I think people respond to that as well. Mm, Definitely. Yeah, I think people truly pick up on the fact of whether you're here to actually help them or whether you're just carting them through the door every 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's, I think it's, it's, it's all about doing what you love, isn't it? Yeah. And, and teaching and preaching what you practice. As you said mm. at the beginning, like you do what you teach people. Practicing yeah. what you preach. Yeah, yeah exactly. I didn't actually want to say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and if you do that, people feel it. Yeah. Like for me as a teacher, I know like if I haven't got up and done my practice, that's that morning yeah. I can tell in my class that yeah. I'm not like quite living what I'm yeah. teaching but, yeah um and as soon as I'm really in my practice yeah I call in more students come yeah. I'm not I'm not doing it I'm not marketing them I'm not advertising mm. and asking them to come yeah but they just appear more students appear yeah when I'm like really working on my own practice yeah and do you work at the space is that right yeah yeah that's a cool place yeah Benny Benny's a cool dude yeah he's lovely yeah he's dope <laughs> you're not just there though are you? you're you're all over the place oh so, yeah I've, a few places yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It's my, actually it's funny we were talking about commuting earlier yeah i never used to commute so when i i've lived when i was living in cambodia my commute commute was to walk through some bamboo huts yeah on a little path through the trees wow the yoga shala and then in mexico it was just down the beach to the yoga shala oh wow whereas here i'm actually riding my scooter like Three times a day. I'm probably on my scooter for over an hour each day. And I'm like, yeah. what, what is this new commuting thing? Yeah. It's, it's strange because obviously <laughs> for the whole lockdown business, yeah. nobody was working. So, yeah. you know, I think, and I was I was sitting around writing screenplays or yeah. a book or whatever. Yeah. And uh, yeah, now now Jules is just out and about all the time. It's, it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, where, right. where are you going? Well, I'm teaching yoga. Oh, yeah. You're a yoga yeah. teacher. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Attentiveness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> teaching all over the place, which is brilliant. So, yeah. And that's, uh, that's one of the beautiful things about this, about this part of the world, isn't it? We are yeah. 
we have so many options to to stay active and to stay mindful. Mm. And for and also for for an affordable price. That's yeah. This is a bone of contention for a yoga teacher because yoga is so poorly uh, priced in Bali. Um, yeah, is it because it's really competitive? What's it? What's no, the it, um, it, what's the rate? Yeah, well, what's like? Is it because there's um, a lot of yoga teachers that you got to be competitive with your prices? Or well, I think it's more. I think it's the studios are being competitive. Well, not being competitive, yeah. but they all don't. They don't want to compete with each other, so they're yeah. all charging the same. But mm. I feel that it's too low. You yeah. know, it's like you've got people now, all the tourists coming here, they don't, yeah. they're they spending so much money on their food, their accommodation, yeah. buying clothes. Yeah. Yet yoga is still really, really cheap. Why, why don't you do that? Do like the oil companies do. Just just sit in a room together and go, all right, this is the set price. This is what we're doing. Yeah, yeah let's put it up. Yeah. We did. I actually like, suggested that yeah. you create some sort of an alliance. You yeah. Know, yeah. Get yeah. Together. yeah. But it's like, you know, you just say... Yeah. But the people who live here yeah. keep the price low. You get yeah. a discounted rate because you live here, and then yeah. bulk put the prices up a bit. It's not yeah. cool because you think about the. There's a new gym open down the road, the Bamboo Gym, yeah. which I've not been in, but I know you've been in, and, mm. and I'm told it's an incredible gym. That's very fancy. So I'm Where? not. I'm not criticizing anything. However, the the point remains that they're charging what nearly a hundred dollars, hundred US dollars a month. Yeah, and for a gym in Bali, it's working. Yeah, yeah, I know it's full. People yeah, are paying the prices, and the prices yeah. are no longer. It's no longer barley mm. prices here. You know, you used to come here for a much cheaper. It is in some aspects cheaper, mm. but it's definitely going up, isn't it? It is. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot. Five dollar for, for a coffee. F- foreign cash yeah. injection has has driven the price up, and of mm. course, yeah. it's all to do with supply and demand. So, so yeah, certainly not criticism of of any of these businesses that are charging what they charge, because as you say, they're full. Mm-hmm. However, one of the one of the only things that I can see that isn't isn't increasing is mm. is the price of yoga, yeah, which is strange to me. And, um, and obviously, I've got a vested interest in uh, in yoga yeah. teachers getting paid well. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just do that. Just all sit in a room and go. All right, let's, let's put the price up. Yeah, yeah. the next three months, the next quarter, nine hundred k. Invite everyone round for a downward facing dog and um, yeah, and chat it out. Yeah, and if anyone doesn't like adhere to it, just like shun them. Yeah, <laughs> very <laughs> well, no, you. Yeah. By that time, you'll all, you'll, you'll be like yeah. uh, you'll be like a mafia, so you can have them. Yeah, whacked. exactly. Them yeah. Yeah. yeah, But then yeah. the other side of it, yeah. when your classes here are full, then yeah. you do you can make you can do well. Yeah, no, but it's just it's always one of those things where you you're never going to work eight hours a day. Yeah, you know, exactly. So yeah. you're it's very much. A lot of hours goes into the one hour and a half that you teach. Mm-hmm. And the other side of that, so probably one class may even take you like three hours. If yeah. Not. So it's kind of, yeah, we're getting there. Mm. Yeah. We've been talking for ages, so I think we might have to uh, curtail our mm. conversation. Oh. I had a question for you, though. If I told yeah. you I had five minutes left to live, yep. what would be on your list of regrets? List of regrets. Five minutes. Um, five minutes left to live. Um, I I'd regret. Yeah, I I'd regret focusing so much on the dollar value and trying to progress myself through my twenties. Whereas if I just focusing focus on serving others, I'd be a much happier person. That would be. Um, my biggest regret. Beautiful. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Beautiful. Uh, <laughs> wait, before we sign off, I'm going to quickly get something. So just stay, yeah. stay recording. Well, you do that. Yeah. In the meantime. Yeah. We'll just hang out and chat. We'll just chat. Okay. <laughs> what have you been up to? 
<laughs> well, I, as you know, I've been doing yeah. loads of physio and, uh, yeah. and strength training yeah. and working out. Yeah. Oh, man, I've just been writing, writing, yeah. writing, writing, writing. It's this book is just has been flowing. What um, if you if you had to like pinpoint your writing style, is there anyone in particular you know similar sort of writing style you you kind of gravitate towards or anything like that's that? A, that's a good question. I I I I think all good writers. I'm not saying I'm a good writer, but I think yeah. all writers who 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 who, yeah. who work on their trade craft yeah. develop their own voice. Yeah, and I think actually there's a there's a, a real argument to say that if you try to replicate someone else, you're mm. going to fail. Yeah. Um, there are writers I really look up to. Yeah. Uh, and one writer in particular is a chap called Stephen Pressfield, who is yeah. an exceptional writer. Yeah. And uh, he's an ex-advertising writer like me. Mm. And he just, he can craft an idea yeah. into very short yeah. uh, paragraph or sentence. Mm. It's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, so he's certainly somebody who who, um, who I read. You know, read his read his work, and I love. Sorry, yeah. Jules. What are you going to say? I was gonna say uh, <laughs> you ready? Yeah. So from all of the How to Die Happy team, yeah, hmm. basically me and you and our dog. <laughs> da, da, da. Oh, it's a birthday. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday to you. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Martin. Happy birthday to you. That was positively harmonious. I know, right? I've got a lot of time for the tea light on my, on my. what do you call this? You know me, I didn't want to buy candles because they come in a lot of plastic. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's a wonderful thing to do on my birthday. Yeah. podcast as well. So cheers. I'm going to blow this up. Well, thanks for coming. Yeah. Been really, awesome. really Super great fun. chat, brother. We've really Loved enjoyed it. it. Um, yeah. Do you want to shout out your social media handles and website and all? Website? <laughs> website. <laughs> What's your <laughs> What's our website? What's your Weber address? Yeah. Uh, it's just um, you can get me on my social media, Alistair Cran underscore Surf Rehab, A L I S T E R D R A N underscore Surf Rehab. Um, yeah, that that's pretty much. It for now. I'll just, when I do everything else, I'll have a website and all that stuff. Cool. We'll put it on our um, website as well. We will. Oh, we'll awesome. share it on our website and under, and on our show, social because we'll we usually do a little trailer for this thing. So yeah, cool. Social. Social. Oh, I can't crazy. bloody speak. Yeah. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't get enough sleep last what night. What happens when you get a year older? <laughs> also, yeah. I'm, also I'm, I might be considering how this how tasty these cakes are going to be. So yeah. So well, I think we should sign off and scoff this lot. What do you guys think? <laughs> Sounds great. With wax on it. Yeah. It's all good. It's it's. Dry. Well, thank, <laughs> thanks for listening, everybody. Please thank do so uh, share and comment, and you know, do all the other good stuff that uh, that that keeps us motivated to make this podcast. And thanks again, Al. Thank you. That's awesome. Al. So much fun. <laughs> cool.